Hi again, everybody, and welcome to On the Safe Side, a podcast hosted by the editors of Safety and Health Magazine, the official magazine of the National Safety Council. My name is Barry Botino, and I'm an associate editor with Safety and Health, and with me, as always, are my fellow associate editors, Alan Ferguson and Kevin Drewley. Fellas, give the big hello to the folks out there today. Hello. Hi, everybody. This is episode number six of On the Safe Side, and once again, we're coming to you from our respective homes as our team is continuing to work remotely. Wherever you happen to be listening today, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. We also hope everyone out there is continuing to stay safe and healthy during this time, especially those of us who have returned to work. Uh, On this episode, we'll do a deep dive into one of our stories from the August issue of Safety Health and... We're very excited to have experienced safety professional Linda Martin with us to discuss her career and the unique path she took into safety as part of our five questions with segment. And of course, don't forget our monthly pop quiz. Now let's kick this episode off. Each month here on the safe side, we take a closer look at a story from the pages of Safety and Health magazine, which we call our deep dive segment. This month, Barry writes a story that explores the importance of soft skills, those personality traits, professional habits, or people skills that can be key components to professional development. As we'll hear from Barry, and as we hope you'll read in our August issue, soft skills truly can augment the technical knowledge safety professionals must master and serve as a career booster. So without further ado, Barry, would you please take us on this latest deep dive? Will do, Kevin. Thank you very much. And before we talk about soft skills, I think it's important first to define what hard skills are. So hard skills are those kind of easy to quantify bits and pieces of technical information. Uh, For example, do you know how to properly wear your PPE? Do you know how to safely work at heights? Uh, Can you pass an electrical code exam? Those are hard skills, uh, things you can easily prove and easily put on a resume of something you've accomplished. Um, With soft skills, there can be a little bit of confusion, but the way many professionals often describe them, as Kevin said, are traits or professional habits or people-related skills. Uh, And the reason they're important is because they can really be key pieces when it comes to professional development and advancing your career. And some of the most common soft skills are are communication, time management, uh, conflict resolution, and teamwork. Uh, One of the best examples of how they can be difficult to define is a study by LinkedIn of talent professionals. Those are the folks that that look for candidates to fill jobs. And what was interesting about LinkedIn's study is uh, 80% of these talent acquisition folks said soft skills were increasingly important in today's job market. But on the flip side, almost 60% of those talent evaluators admitted they didn't know how to accurately assess these skills in today's job candidates. So there, there's the rub there uh, with soft skills. Uh, the reason that soft skills are important is because they're often a good way to enhance your hard skills. For example, communicating the need for proper PPE to a supervisor or a business leader using your communication skills, that can help you explain what you or your team needs to do a job well and to do it safely. And one of our National Safety Council colleagues, Amy Harper, uh, she's our Senior Director of Workplace Training and Consultant. And Amy told me that safety professionals need soft skills because technical knowledge will only get you so far. And she used an example of a, a person in a company who has vast technical knowledge, but colleagues can only go to that person for specific technical questions. 
And by adding soft skills to your skill set, you make yourself a person who understands things such as managing change or communicating the needs of the safety team to business leaders in your organization uh, or breaking projects into parts uh, to get them done more efficiently and influencing others to, to move projects forward. So, Barry, how do you know which uh, soft skills are the, the most important? Well, Alan, the one, the one that comes up first for a lot of people always is communication. Uh, in fact, Safety and Health Magazine put together a poll in 2015, and 80% of our readers said communication was the most valued soft skill of them all. Uh, and this goes for both verbal communication and written communication. Uh, our readers voted uh, teamwork and collaboration as number two, and as number three, our readers voted listening skills. Uh, sources that I talked to also mentioned adaptability, uh, because as we've learned now and at many other times, uh, business is constantly changing. Uh, in addition to adaptability, there's leadership, uh, there's integrity, and there's one that I found interesting uh, that was high on a lot of experts' lists was negotiation. And the way negotiation was described to me by one of my sources was that for safety professionals, getting what you need is always going to entail some form of negotiation whether that need is a specific safety program or a certain amount of money. Um, I recall Amy Harper telling me that negotiation was important in her eyes because uh, she said, we rarely get what we want in safety. So having those skills can be a big help. And some other common soft skills can include uh, problem solving, creativity, work ethic, organizational skills, and also attention to detail. You mentioned some great examples of these uh, soft skills, Barry. What are some ways that people can sharpen those soft skills? Well, Kevin, two of the most important things to do are to practice and to ask for feedback. Um, so I'll use communication as an example in this case. Uh, practicing can be as simple as asking a supervisor if you can run a meeting or giving a presentation to your team or presenting to another team outside your department. And what this does is it gives you the opportunity to work on a skill that you may not feel totally comfortable with. Uh, not only could you write out a script or write copy for slides as part of a presentation, but you can also speak to a live audience. So those are some good ways to practice. Uh, one of the best ways to start is speaking in front of a small group of peers. Um, that is a, a folks that you know uh, that will be um, more eager to give you feedback. Uh, then you can way, work your way up. Uh, you can work your way up to managers or to larger audiences. And when you're taking those steps, each time you want to ask uh, multiple people for advice and feedback. Um, some folks will call this a 360-degree view. Uh, for example, you can ask your supervisor or team leader to give you feedback. You can also ask a peer, and you can ask someone on another team that you don't work with directly to all critique you and give you feedback. That way you get multiple points of view of both your strengths and your weaknesses. Uh, practice is clearly the key, according to experts, and those critiques are very important to building these skills and to developing your career. Another option that I read about is to read books and articles about various soft skills. And I did a search on Amazon the other day, and there are literally thousands of book titles about soft skills. Um, perhaps even your local library has some of these titles, and you can rent those for free. Um, also, online sources for career development uh, have a lot of resources, such as job search sites, uh, colleges and universities have articles, and professional associations. Uh, they also write a lot about soft skills. So you can check those out as well. 
Uh, there are even some free online courses along with YouTube videos and TED Talks that are available too. And those all cover soft skills, various different soft skills. So those resources are definitely out there for folks who want to learn more. Thanks so much, Barry, for sharing your insights on this interesting topic. For folks who want to learn more, please check out the August issue of Safety and Health Magazine. If you're listening to this podcast, we're pretty sure you like staying safe on the job and keeping others safe as well. We're also pretty sure that you want to stay safe and healthy when you're away from work, and we have a great way to help you out. It's Family Safety and Health Magazine from the makers of the award-winning Safety and Health Magazine. Family Safety and Health has tips and advice on topics from the home to the roadway and from your local parks and recreation areas to your medicine cabinet. Visit nsc.org wellness or call 800-621-7619 to learn how you can get a subscription for yourself, your coworkers, your friends, and your family. Remember, that's Family Safety and Health, brought to you by the team that brings you Safety and Health magazine each and every month. To read off our next guest resume would likely take up the whole episode of this podcast, but here are just a few highlights. Linda Martin is the former president of the Board of Certified Safety Professionals Board of Directors. She recently earned her doctorate in safety and is currently teaching students at four universities, Linda is also the 2018 recipient of the National Safety Council's Marion Martin Award and co-author of the 11th edition of NSC's Supervisor Safety Manual. So, Linda, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. Hi. Hi. I'm glad that you guys asked me on. <laughs> We're glad to have you. So, I guess first question. So, we have a section in our magazine called My Story that details safety pros' journey into their profession. So your undergraduate degree was in geology, and so how did you get from there into safety? Sure. Let, 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 me, let me give you the, the short version um, so that <laughs> I don't take up all your time. Um, so when I was in, I actually went to school for physical therapy, if you can believe it or not. And um, uh, within a, a semester, I noticed the rocks in uh, the say the science building. And I was like, wow, you can get a degree in that. That's great. I want to get a degree in something I love. And um, so I got a degree in geology and I was all ready to go out and be a geologist in the field. And there happened to be no, uh, believe it or not, no no um, jobs in oil and gas at that time um, for a geologist, especially as a woman um, in the early 90s. And so I got into environmental consulting. Um, and if you know anything about environmental consulting, especially in the early 90s when um, the Haswopper standards were kind of being promulgated and put into use, um, the people were still in that zone of not really protecting employees or not really knowing how to train them um, to protect themselves. And so I came to safety kind of uh, through exposure. Um, I got a job as an environmental uh, geologist and I sat on drill rigs and watched them take soil samples, contaminated soil and groundwater samples. And I also uh, was involved in some of the base closures um, that were happening in the early 90s, uh, removing um, avgas and jet fuel tanks at Pease Air Force Base. Um, so there was, there was a lot of uh, hazards, as you might uh, imagine, involved in that activity, especially exposure hazards. And so I got really interested in how to protect myself. Um, which is an interesting thing in, in your 20s, uh, since in your 20s, you think you're invincible. Um, 
now that I'm in my fifties, I, I know that I'm not. Um, and thankfully enough, I got interested in safety and Hazwopper and um, used that to kind of catapult me into, um, when I got into project management, into having safety as part of my job responsibilities in my company and also in my practice, um, doing safety as a consultant for other people. I went from there into uh, being a safety director for a thermal remediation co company that did uh process safety systems all over the world. Um, I've done, I've been a safety safety director for a crane company, um, and then most recently teaching. So it, it's been a journey. Um, and I think if I was going to say to anybody else in this field or, or wanting to be in this field that it, it's a journey and, the, and whatever journey you take, it's okay. Um, and if, if you find yourself here and you love it, um, then stay a while. Well, Linda, as Alan noted in his introduction, you recently earned a, a PhD in safety. And I'm curious, what made you want to pursue your doctorate? Um, so ever since I was a little little kid, um, I was one of those people that was obsessed with books and learning. And um, I come from a long line of teachers. Uh, my grandmother wanted to be a teacher. My mother um, was a teacher for many, many years. And I never really saw myself as a teacher until... Um, I got into safety and I wanted other people to know what I was finding out. Um, I started teaching on the collegiate level in 2014. Um, one of the contacts on the board of directors is the board of certified safety professionals, uh, Sherry Marcham, uh, had uh, introduced me to Columbia Southern and I started teaching in their bachelor's program. And it was at, at that time that I I just kind of found my niche, uh, so to speak. I, I loved telling people what it was like in the field, um, helping them um, see the light when it comes to implementation versus book learning. And so I, I set my sights on the PhD. I, I wanted to teach in the master's level and you need a PhD to do that. Um, so I, I just went for it. As we also mentioned, Linda, you're now teaching at four universities. So with that, what are some essential skills that safety professionals need to learn? Everything, right? I mean, we, we teach a lot of um, book learning in the bachelor's level, um, and we, we don't teach a lot of uh, soft skills, um, which I think if you follow me on LinkedIn, I'm, I'm very much about the soft skills and uh, teamwork and collaboration. And so I think essential skills... Um, you can learn the ins and outs of the regulations from school, and you can learn the ins and outs of um, the concepts, but you really can't learn implementation unless you're learning from somebody who's either doing it right now or somebody who's, uh, you know, actually done it in the field before. So I think if I would pick any essential skills, I would say soft skills, and I would also pick um, how to really implement those those book learning uh, concepts into reality. Because every team that you're going to work with, every work team, every workplace, every industry is going to be different. Um, so uh, that's kind of what I try to bring to my teaching. And I also try to bring an openness to my students that they can connect with each other um, and connect with me and become lifelong colleagues. So what are some of the ways that you can help your students kind of bridge that aforementioned gap between the classroom and the job site? Or 
Or what can companies or more experienced safety pros kind of do to help their, their younger colleagues kind of bridge that gap? Um, you know, I think um, it, this is not going to come as a surprise to anybody. I think mentoring is is a huge part of that. Um, I think we all need to realize that no matter what position we are in from uh, a new safety professional to somebody who's been doing it for 30 or 40 years, that um, we are mentors and colleagues. I mean, if I teach somebody in a class, I don't teach them as a student. I teach them as a as a colleague uh, because they have just as much to teach me as I as I do them. I mean, I have a lot of experienced safety professionals that are coming back to uh, college to get their degree in order to advance to certification or earn more money or or whatnot. So I think um, to kind of answer your question in a more concise way, the, the gap there is knowing um, when to mentor, um, taking the the responsibility as a student to uh, get an internship um, and to not be afraid to ask questions or connect with people. Um, I think people are always surprised that um, I actually do answer my email um, and I do make phone calls. <laughs> I do make phone calls um, to people I don't know and I talk to them for hours and I'm happy to do it because I think um, I really want to be invested in the future of safety and, and the profession. Linda, we all know that safety can be an extremely tough field and it can be hard on safety pros, both mentally and physically. Um, an interesting thing that you do with your LinkedIn account is that you've tried to spread some messages of positivity, uh, as you say, to safety champions, safety professionals, and students of safety in all ages. Um, what can safety professionals do to, to lift their spirits, especially in, in times like this and been very difficult for a lot of professions? Good question. You know, I, I, I have. Um... You know, I have been at home like everybody else during this pandemic and um, spending a lot of time on LinkedIn trying to spread positivity because I see a lot of people um, out of work and um, or being furloughed. And so, I mean, I think um, we have a responsibility to each other to band together and to uh, encourage each other to get um, jobs, to find jobs, to still talk about our practice while we're waiting. Um, you know, I, I've been in a position before where I haven't had a job and it, it has meant the world to me when somebody reached out and said, it's going to be okay, right? The universe, the universe is going to provide. And, um, so I think we have a responsibility to each other to lift each other's spirits, um, to share our practice, um, and to, to remember that sometimes just because, you know, if you, if you aren't laid off at this point in the pandemic and you're working, that everybody's stressed and that um, use every tool in your toolbox uh, to, to reach out and to, to get the message out there and to make a difference. Linda, we always ask guests of On the Safe Side a question about life away from work, and we call that our pop quiz question. Um, this one is, as many of us have rediscovered hobbies from our past during the pandemic, uh, we understand that you've renewed your interest in gardening during this time at home. Um, so we're wondering just what more can you tell us about how that happened and the satisfaction you're getting from gardening? Uh, the, 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 this is a good story. Hopefully people will enjoy this um, because I think a lot of people are home with their children. Um, they have a, a two daughters, uh, five and seven years old. Um, 
And uh, so we've been homeschooling like everybody else um, with the help of Zoom calls from their uh, teachers and blog posts and whatnot. Um, and my kids are Montessori kids. And if you um, know anything about the Montessori method, it's, it's kind of a self-directed, hands-on learning um, and collaborative uh, method. And um, I teach at the collegiate level. So this is, you know, teaching five and seven-year-olds is all new to me. And um, I was inspired one day by, um, well, it was a beautiful day, first of all. And um, my mother, when I was a uh, child, uh, we lived in Wisconsin and we had farmland around us. And one of the things that she did with us was this activity with a, a potato. And, and she did it, I think, pretty much every year. Um, but we, uh, my ch children and I took a potato that was sprouting. Uh, we've all had that potato on our counter, right? That's been sprouting the, um, uh, the roots and, and, and whatnot. And I put it in water and got the roots going and we took pictures as it went along. Um, and then made a whole activity out of planting it and researching how to plant it. And I thought, wow, this is fun. And um, I ended up getting four or five different pots and planting a whole patio garden. And, um, you know, number one, I, th I think it accomplished something, a connection with my kids and their type of learning. Um, it also con connected me to my mother, um, which was a really great thing that she taught me when I was a kid because, you know, we didn't have much. And then, um, you know, also connected me to my grandmother, who was a uh, just an amazing gardener. And so I sit, I teach in the mornings and in grade papers in the mornings. And in the afternoons, I sit on my patio and I write and I actually sit among my garden, which is now um, blooming. It's very, it's pretty cool. I have um, cucumbers, carrots, snap peas, beans, asparagus, strawberries, and, and many different kinds of herbs. And it's it's just cool. It's a connection. It's a connection both to my family um, in the past, uh, my mother in the present, and my children for the future. That's great. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Linda, and uh, thank you for all that you do for safety. I appreciate being able to come on and, and uh, go National Safety Council. You do a lot of great things for people. Thank you so much. Thank you, Linda. That was great. Thank you, Linda. Really appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate you. Have a good day. You too. Now it's our turn to answer the pop quiz, and if any listeners want to chime in with their own answers, you can email us at safehealth.nsc.org or use the hashtag SafeSidePopQuiz on social media, and we'll compile some of our favorite responses and read them during a future episode. So I'll go first. I, I don't know that I've rediscovered any hobbies. I don't know if uh, excessive TV watching is a uh, is necessarily a hobby or, <laughs> or binging shows, <laughs> but that's probably... Number one, we've done a little bit of traveling over a couple states over to Michigan, uh, but usually we do like to travel sometimes. So I guess, I guess that would be something that yeah, we've rediscovered as well. Um, Kevin, what about you? On a similar vein, yeah, not, not so much rediscovery, maybe revamping. Um, as we've mentioned in past episodes, we each have a newspaper background, so I still am very much reading newspapers and magazines, but it so often happens you sit down and intend to read something and then something happens and you end up just dog earing something. So I've, uh, I've gotten actually caught up with quite a, a bit and some of it's outdated, but I still feel like 
go ahead and read it in, in some respect, because what else do you have to do? But uh, yeah, catching up on some reading and not so much journaling with it, but trying to sort of make it to where I'm not just checking a box. So if I read something and a statistic or a, a, a note sounds of particular importance or just stays with me, I just scroll it down real quick in a notebook and just sort of, like I said, not you're not checking a box, you're just sort of reading it with a little bit of a purpose. And by extension of that, the, the arts and entertainment section have the jumble and the jumble crossword. So uh, I've sent away for some of those little books, just it's something to do here and there. Well, for me, I, I have discovered a couple of different podcasts, but I'd say the biggest thing that I've discovered is I have rediscovered my old baseball card and sports card collection in the basement. <laughs> I probably have upwards of 10,000 cards. I, they've been stored away for, for decades. Um, and at one time I had every Topps baseball card made from 1978 to 1990. Um, and it took a heck of a lot of trips on my bike to the local uh, drugstore in Joliet to get those when I was growing up here in suburban Chicago. So uh, that's been a lot of fun, just going through my old cards, um, actually passing some along to friends uh, who are fans of certain teams, just mailing out a few here and there. Um, and also just going through them again is, is kind of fun. It kind of brought me back to to why I enjoyed kind of getting them as a kid and, and putting all those sets together. So it's been a lot of fun. We want to say thanks to everyone out there for spending some time with us today. And remember, if you want to keep your employees, your colleagues, and your family members safe, we have just the publication for you, Family Safety and Health. Each issue is packed with helpful tips that will keep families safe at home and in the community, along with informational articles about your health. To get a free copy or learn more, visit nsc.org slash wellness or subscribe by calling 800-621-7619. In the meantime, feel free to tell a fellow safety pro about this podcast. If you'd like to share some feedback, email us at safehealth at nsc.org. To find stories such as Barry's Soft Skills article and all the latest news about safety and health, visit us online at safetyandhealthmagazine.com. Also, make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. We'd like to thank our colleague and sound guru, Chelsea Yang. Original music for this podcast was provided by Steve Maslin. On behalf of our team at Safety and Health Magazine, we hope you and your friends and family are all safe and healthy amid the COVID-19 crisis. We'll be back next month with another episode to have more safety-related discussions, talk to trusted voices from around the profession, and hopefully make you smile a little. Until then, please stay on the safe side.